Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Yes, a Stripper. Uh, today's guest is going to be Juicy Josie. Um, she is a lovely, darling, beautiful person that I have learned so much from uh, ever since knowing her and from officially meeting her and spending time with her at um, Babetown Fest 2019, uh, which is an event that uh, some friends and I used to coordinate in the desert, you know, pre-COVID. That is on hiatus (laughs) indefinitely (laughs) until further notice. Um, But that's how Josie and I met. And then we've become colleagues and we work together on Soldiers of Pole. And I'm just constantly inspired by Josie and by the work that they do and by the the insight that I learn from her regularly. And and I would say mostly what I learned the most from her is her genuine compassion for others. Um, that is something that I've been so inspired by um, from some of my favorite people lately is the level of compassion, forgiveness, and understanding. And that really um, shines through with Josie and, and, but at the same time, you know, firmness and directness in, in what is right and what is needed for our communities as well. So being able to find, um, a balance between those two, I really admire that. And, um, I strive for that in my own personal life and personal dealings. So, um, she is such a wonderful person and I'm so excited for you to get to know her more and to fall in love with her the way I have. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Today's guest is a pretty dear friend of mine, someone I work with on a regular basis. We have Juicy Josie online. Hi, Josie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I listen to your podcast regularly, and I feel really honored to be a part of it. Yay, that makes me so happy. And before we get started, just want to give um, our con- our audience, we just want to know what your pronouns are. Yeah, I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. Um, awesome. Really no preference, so yeah. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you about the choice of using both she, her, and they, them? Yeah, so for me, I feel that on my day to day, um, I do embody like my feminine um, energy, and it feels good for me. And um, I've been socialized as a woman just growing up, and um, my experience with gender is more fluid. And so I don't feel super attached to using she/her all the time. And it feels good to also be um, allowed to be fluid with my pronouns. And also I think it's like a normalization of using um, pronouns that aren't necessarily aligned with um, our assigned gender at birth. Um, And yeah, I 
I think it's good for me to have that freedom and be able to exercise it and other people to also um, see me as other than woman or femme and just mm. like a, hu- a human, really. Yeah, I really enjoy that perspective. And the reason that I'm asking is because I've been asking myself if that's something that I want to do as well. And I actually asked my younger cousins who are teenagers what they think and what they use. Um, and they're considering the same. And and for me, and, and I'm wondering if you could share your perspective on this. For me, I, I was getting concerned that maybe I wanted to do that because it was trendy. And so I've just been really like deeply examining it and making sure if it's true to me because there's so often times that I feel so masculine and I get, and so I'm like, wait, is it trendy or is this the truth for me? You know? And mm-hmm. so anyways, what what do you think about that? And, or anybody else yeah. who might be having that thought? I agree. And I think that's so important to ask those questions. And, um, I don't know, sometimes I just feel uncomfortable in spaces where they're only using, she heard to identify all the people in the room, including myself. And I just really assess those feelings and was like, why do I feel that way? Or like, just even being um, hyper feminized by men as well, like just in this job as well. I was like, I don't really want to be identified that all the time. And it doesn't feel good for me. And it feels better for me to be in a fluid state with my own self. And um, Hmm also like allow that to be seen by others and um yeah does that kind of answer yeah definitely like for example like just even being in a space where like someone would be like ladies first to me and I'm just like "Mm." Uh, like like, I was just like oh like why do you have to assume or like why do you have to be like automatically like gendering me and like it doesn't feel good and I was like you know what I feel better using both and in and it also like really reflects like how I feel about myself um when it comes to gender and I feel like before I started dancing I was definitely more in my masculine and then when I started dancing Mm kind of noticed myself like just performative femininity and that kind of changed how I felt about it too and I feel like it's a journey for sure, but I definitely don't exclusively use they, them. And that's why I put she, her as like my first go-to and it's like, that's how people see me. And right. it's also like how I experience my own body. A lot of the times is with my connection to the feminine, but I think my connection with the masculine is also very strong. Um, given that like I was an athlete all my life and I didn't really tap into my femininity as much until I started dancing, to be honest. Yeah. That's interesting. I think for me when I was younger and I was obsessed with strippers and sex workers, very clearly I was obsessed with them. I almost felt like at the when I look back on it that I was exhibiting the male gaze upon them and I wanted to be them because I was physically attracted to them. Is that makes, mean. yeah? Mean. And even now, like when I'm in the strip club and I'm watching women on stage, I am like, uh, like drooling <laughs> over Me them. Too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
and like looking at them a certain way when they bend over in a lovingly in a loving way, but also like like in a sexual way, you know, um, and not in a like I said, in a sexually loving way. In a no, I totally get way. you, and I feel like that's a huge part of also why I identify with masking because when I've been with other women in like not necessarily like a partnership but just more like as a lover like sometimes I feel like I'm that masculine um energy in that specific dynamic and then sometimes like especially when I'm with cis men like I feel the more feminine part of myself with that so it's like very like contextual and like how gender is like within a social context a lot of the times um but yeah, I totally understand what you mean like, yeah. at the club, whereas like as someone who's bisexual, like that definitely was a perk. Um, and just even interrogating that is really cool that you did because, I mean, I haven't thought about it too much, but yeah. Well, how long have you been stripping for? So I've been stripping for like two and a half years, but I started doing sex work, which I didn't even know that there was a name for it. Um, so I started camming when I was 18. Right. So it's been like over five years that I've been doing forms of sex work, but mm -hmm. specifically stripping um, at the club. Yeah. Two and a half years. Two and a half. Yeah. I was there. So I'm a little baby stripper. I love it. <laughs> love baby strippers. Yeah, I was dancing for almost 18 years. So I had a lot of time to yeah. question that. And then, so you've been stripping in the clubs from two for two years, but like you started two years ago, meaning you weren't really stri stripping in the club this last year. Yeah. Um. So I, this year I did like, well, I mean, not 2021, but last year I did private events for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, like I got hired to do birthday parties to just like go and like entertain. I do fire dancing too. I brought would bring my pole, my fire dancing. I do like hooping. So I did that. And then like um, that was fun because it was for like a couple, uh, a lesbian couple's birthday and mm -hmm. it was just really fun and it felt really safe. And um, I wore my mask, obviously. And I did that like three events. And then I did this thing called strip truck for yeah. a, a few months, which was kind of interesting. And um, we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, which was basically like dancing in like a truck that had like an open glass with a pole in it, but you wouldn't take anything off. You'd just be wearing lingerie because it's on the street in Hollywood and just like <laughs> parked on the side of Hollywood Boulevard and just whoever walked by. It was very interesting. I don't know if I would do that in that same way again, because there was a lot of other things that were kind of concerning. Um, but now one of one of the owner's friends, she was telling me how she's taken over now. And like the guy who was managing that I worked with before is no longer there. So we're trying to collaborate and try to make it more equitable and um, just book it for private events rather than um, just seeing what we can get on 
Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> definitely, definitely. That I'm I'm glad to hear that because the I the thought of y'all being in a glass truck on Hollywood Boulevard, like I'm sorry, like Hollywood's not fucking cool anymore. It's it's run down, which is totally fine. I'm not complaining about it being run down. It's just not an ideal place to be doing that. Um, and mm -hmm. also because it's also extremely tone deaf with what's happening in Hollywood. The homelessness is more than I've ever seen. I've lived in Hollywood for years and I've worked in Hollywood for since 2007 so i've watched the ebbs and flows of this town and right now driving a truck filled with scantily clad women through hollywood and being like give these women money is so fucking tone deaf because there are people struggling on those streets right now no i agree and that's what i saw and that's what made me feel really uncomfortable because i mean i can't really talk directly to them because i'm you know i don't talk to any really the people because i'm behind a glass and um there was just a lot of like houseless folks that were there and the security guard can't necessarily tell them to leave i mean that would be weird too because it's the street and it's live. like that's where they're posted up but <laughs> they're also not paying to stay and you can't ask them to pay and it's just like a weird thing and i was like all right i guess i'll just wait to do anything until people come that tip and yeah it was semi-lucrative but they took half of whatever was thrown which you know that's to begin with not not good either so tell people how when you're on the truck how they would throw money at you because like you're behind there's a like a small yeah there's a small hole in the glass on each side on the far ends and then people would stick their hand in and throw the money okay and, and then if they wanted ones, like the um, the guy who was running it, he would have like ones and people could give him like a big bill and he give them ones. Um, but there was no like ATM or anything, which also was a problem. Right. So people just randomly have to have cash on them. Basically. Which like who does right now? I yeah. I have $30 in my underwear drawer in cash that I like hoard because I'm like, what if I need this for anything, you know? And and also like, well, for strippers specifically, like we're just not making cash anymore. But like how normal is it? Like how many – did it seem like a lot of people just had cash on them randomly at the time that you rolled up? I mean – there definitely were groups of people who did and when people did have cash they had it and so then it added up but some people would just like throw a five or throw a few bucks right. and um there was no way to really make sure people were tipping um and the thing that bothered me the most actually was just the amount of videotaping like Ugh. every single person who walked because I wanted to try it out. I also needed money and I miss making cash. Mm -hmm. um, so I was willing to try it out. And every person basically who walked by, whether they tipped or not, would pull out their phones. And I would nod no at them. I'd be like, no, but still it was hard. And the manager just said, as long as they tip, they can video. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. He said that as if it's his decision? 
your likeness that goes who the fuck knows where it's going oh he's okay with that i know sorry and so there's a lot of like boundary issues there so that's why i stopped um and then now that there's a woman who's managing it who i worked with like one of the nights i feel better about it um but I mean, the cops kind of come, they try to bother us. And even if they can't really shut it down, it's just kind of like uncomfortable to even be visited by the cops. And I didn't like that either. So if I end up doing it again, it's definitely going to be like private event, more private event based. But I mean, there's these giant parties that are going on in the desert um, that they did that I decided not to go. And it was, it was like, thousands of people like 5,000 people I think who are gathering in the desert and obviously not really wearing masks and I I talked to my friend who worked it and they were saying how they lied to them that they hired security guards they said oh are you going to hire security guards the manager said yes and then when they got there it was just him who was the security guard but that doesn't dude. really that doesn't even count I mean he's not even the security guard he's just supposed to be giving out the money technically and this is so, just for a random private event with 5,000 people in the desert. Yeah, it was one of, the, it was, um, it was like a ranchero event. Like, I don't know if you know, but basically in kind of like Latin American culture, they'll go out, like make have these giant parties, but they'll ride like their um, bikes and like, like motor trucks and like motocross stuff and like have like barbecues and like tacos and um like have you know play reggaeton like play like it's yeah like it's it's not like a festival sort of but um it's kind of it's it's kind of like a it's definitely cultural because I felt like it was it was definitely like a group of people who already were networked in some way um but not responsible and you know it there are some things that happened I was like I'm glad I didn't go because one of the girls cars got messed up that was like driving there and basically every everything she made she had to pay for her car got all messed up so it was like a lot of different things and so that's why I didn't recommend anyone dance with them yet because they're very unorganized but hopefully now that my friend, she's or she's being the manager. She can really like implement some of the changes that I also suggested. So they asked you. So this is se- separate from strip truck, right? Where they asked. So other people asked you to come out to this event in the desert. Is that what you're saying? No, it's the strip truck. Oh, it is the same thing. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. So they wanted to take the strip truck out there, and you're like, nah, I don't want to do that. Especially because like the security was lacking and that's like a huge part of it yeah yeah so i do want to like thank you for doing strip truck and getting the intel and letting the rest of us know what that's like you know um i probably would have tried it myself just to see if i had all my legs right now so you know so i thank you so much for doing that work um and and finding out for us and i do agree that it that strip truck could be a cool thing if it were for private events where it's like like the people know what they're getting and 
and they know what they have to do and they like request its presence. And so you know that they're going to take care of you, or at least there'll be a serious conversation about how to take care of you and how to respect your boundaries. Whereas you just definitely. You just put sex workers in a glass truck and drive them around one of the poorest, most decimated areas of L.A. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So thank you for letting us know what that's like. Um, Wow. So you also, you know, you and I know each other, A, from connecting via Babetown Fest, which was so magical. We did Babetown Fest 2019 together, and I got to witness some of your beautiful fire dancing and your, what do you call it when you rub the sticks on the big round bowls? (laughs) What do you call that? (laughs) Sound healing. They're they're called crystal sound bowls. Yeah. 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 Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Like one of my aspirations just even witnessing and experiencing a lot of the things like at the club is that I think strippers, dancers, sex workers need a network of healing resources. And that's something I aspire to do in the future is to offer like trauma informed care and just physical care. And um, as a body worker, I, I actually saved up money from my first two months of stripping to pay for massage school and became a massage therapist. And I, I do that as like my, my business, um, separate from dancing and it's very rewarding. And in the work that I do, I can see like their physical changes in the body, just letting go of tension, letting go of any emotional releases and, when I was dancing, I would go get a massage every once in a while. And sometimes just being touched in a way that's not sexual and you know that you're in a safe place, it can feel so comforting. And so I hope to offer that to people who do, um, who are in our community, who dance and do sex work, because I think it's really important. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope that, you know, after it's safe, and to be in close contact with people that that's something I can offer because um, our bodies go through so much when we dance, even just Mm -hmm. physically, musculoskeletally, like, and um, our bodies are, are definitely like what we use to work. So we deserve like that kind of care. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've, I've been, dancing and using my body uh, since a very young person, since five years old, gymnastics, cheerleading, and then stripping slash pole dancing. And I feel it. I'm 40. And I, I'm like, I, I need more massages and more body care, but I'm finding that difficult to do during a pandemic and seeing extra people and like I can't go down the street to the Thai massage place that I used to frequent at least once every two weeks. So what would you suggest to people for right now who might mm-hmm. who who might need that type of care that it's just hard to receive currently? Yeah, definitely. Um well I think that if you can find space and time in your day to to stretch and do stretches that are intuitive to your own body like that's definitely a start 
um, doing like shoulder rolls, um, doing like anything that twists the spine. So mm-hmm. things that like you're putting your leg over to one side and your chest is opening to the other, something that moves the spine and um, limp, like doing any lymph massage. So like behind your ears, you have mm-hmm. lymph nodes. So like rubbing those and then you have lymph nodes like right under your collarbone. You have them right under your armpit, all over your belly, on your groin and behind your knees. And just Mm. tapping all those areas gets the lymph moving. And um, lymph is responsible for flushing out toxins, getting like fluid and moving the fluid in between your muscles and fascia. And that can help just get kind of kickstart the fluids in your body to be like moving and not stagnating as much. And um, hot baths are really great. If you have a bathtub, I know some people don't, so, um, that's understandable. And if you can get yourself, um, a massage gun, yeah, that's magical. It can break up fascia really easily. And you can get one that has a handle that you can just do it to yourself. So you don't necessarily need someone else to do it. That's really great. And, um, yeah, those are some things. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, okay, I have a massage gun. I have a bathtub. I have hands to tap the lymph nodes. I just need, yes. like, I need a lymph node map so I can reference it and like maybe yes. my daily routine, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely like you can find you can find them just I'm on sure. Google, Google. And just like lymph nodes. And then you do like you can do a, a, a massaging in like figure eights and just like gently brushing over them like you would just like very softly that wakes it up because the lymph nodes are on the surface of the skin so they don't need too much and then after that just doing light tapping i love this thank you do you have um like what do you where where do you keep this information how do you share this with clients do you have like a website or do you write about this or blog about this stuff <sighs> Yeah, I need to do that. Um, (laughs) I learned so much from my physical therapist. She's amazing. I've learned so much from her about my own body and how to care for it. And she taught me a lot of this lymph uh, massage stuff because massage school is very basic and just teaches the fundamentals. Um, But I can definitely put a graphic out onto my account that's pretty easy and just, just give a little tutorial. It's it's something I love and yeah. I definitely want to share with people more. So yeah. You're just inspiring me for so many things right now. Cause I know other sex workers, I mean, obviously that are into healing work and I just want to like put y'all in a room together. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know. I'm down. Yeah. Because they're, you're all like different friends of mine and different pockets of, you know, areas. And, and like, I don't know if you all know each other. So I just want to do an intro. So I'm, I'm going to. I would love that. Be working on that for sure. Yeah. Um, so, and, and another way we know each other is we work together uh, with Soldiers of Pole, mm-hmm. which is our, our labor movement that has really gone through some transitions over this last year and um it's just been such a pleasure working with you and watching your you know your commitment to labor rights and human rights so do you mind sharing a little bit about what that experience is like for you yeah I think I found a really solid place in Soldiers of Pole just having 
um, been in advocacy and activist spaces before. It feels a very like mature and grounded space, which I, in my own experience, is rare in organizing spaces, especially with people who um, are new to it too. Like we're, I mean, I'm very young, I'm 23. So um, when I organize with people, it, we're all kind of new to it. And so it's it's really nice and refreshing to have people who are a lot older than me to um, kind of just ground me in, in what's, what's what we're able to do, but also how we're able to relate to each other while we occupy space when organizing. And um, I, I definitely see the need um, right away when I started dancing for something like a labor union or just um, informing ourselves of our rights because I had a lot of questions that were answered once I got information and education from SOP, like in my first Know Your Rights meeting mm. that I had with y'all, like, I don't know, a year ago or something. And um, when I started sharing that information, just like that we shouldn't have to pay to work or that we shouldn't have a mandatory tip out, like just the things that are so normalized for dancers. Um, they were in shock as well and they wanted to know more and were just curious and now that I've kind of talked to other dancers about it um it's it's brought a lot of interest to to the importance of knowing our rights and securing our own um power in in togetherness and united and that we don't have to really struggle on our own which is mm -hmm. definitely something I internalized because I feel like hustle culture and stripping is very much like on your own like just stick it out like tough it out like you're responsible for your own money and if you're not making money it's like your fault and you're doing something wrong or something but I see that there's so many other factors to that and I think SOP understands the need for people to come together to realize that we're facing these huge challenges as a community and not just as individual hustlers. Yeah, definitely. Gosh, you said so many interesting things just now. One of them is I, I do, I did get a sense when I first started tripping back in 2002, it was definitely like every man for himself mentality. There was very little, let me help you out. Um, but, but at the same time, when something really devastating would happen, then there would be that mentality where it was like, we would rally around each other. But when it came to like, just regular daily work, it was like, how could you figure out how to get that other person's customer on the couch or like, or it was all about like, stay away from that person's customer. It was very like, compartmentalized and 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 the other thing that you said is if you're not making money there's something wrong with you and i think that comes from just like living in such a heavy capitalistic society where your your value is based on how much income you're able to make and in the strip club it's like well how are you not making money there's so much money in the strip club you must suck at this you know and then you just internalize that and place that on yourself especially when you're having a bad day like a slow day 
Yeah, no, I agree. And um, it's, it's definitely like the culture of the settler, like colonial America is in, very much embedded in strip club culture because it's a place that kind of epitomizes patriarchy when we're talking about like the male gaze and male entitlement to women's bodies and or people's bodies and I think a huge part of it is because like those spaces are being governed by the settler colonial state and they don't honor and respect bodies who do sex work and like that's why we have to advocate and do so much activism because we're the only ones who care that much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm having like flashbacks to when I first started dancing at the Blue Zebra. And I and that was a very um diverse lineup of dancers. Um they were majoritively Latine, black, um, Persian, and then the white dancers were not super what what's the like not super hustlers right they weren't like they were just chill and then I came in and I was like really young and really white with big tits and I when I work when I work I operate under a white supremacist mentality when I work and it's just inherent and it's what I what I learned growing up I'm not condoning it or defending it But when I work, I'm like, I'm here to get shit done. I'm going to do it efficiently and I'm going to do it hardcore and I'm going to (laughs) dominate the field. Right. And that's how I went in there. And I look back on that and I'm so embarrassed by that way of being that I had, you know, and I look back and I learned so much from those women. And I just wish that there was a way that I could have. I could have had an opportunity to learn about what I was entering into and how my behavior and mentality was damaging to others, you know? And I, I feel like there's, even to this day, there's not a lot of, when we go into this job as a baby stripper, hi, let me teach you and explain to you the history of this work and what this work means. Um, there's nothing like that. And no, that, there yeah. isn't. Yeah. And so I traipsed around for many years, many years in my stripping career, behaving that way. It's embarrassing. And I apologize for it. Yeah, I think there's definitely like the political aspect to that, even when like outsiders look at strippers and just how some strippers are idealized or like respected more because they're seen as being like more classy or because they make a a lot of money it's fine that they're a stripper um but and that's typically like people who are lighter skinned are given that um benefit of the doubt and even like coming to housing discrimination and things like that um it's it's because of like this this capitalist society and also like classism that Mm. um, gives like certain strippers like more privileges over others, even if they make the same amount of money or even if um, they work at the same club or in the same area or have been doing it for just as long. Like 
it's society still sees certain people as more worthy and that has to change like within the club too is like we have to see each other as all being worthy of receiving like as much money as like we need to have our basic needs met and then some because our work is really difficult and yeah it's physically demanding yeah what what would you like to see implemented at strip clubs to like to be able to disseminate the types of like more healing messages and more like I guess what's the word initiations like when you're when you're being initiated as a stripper like honestly it should be initiation process so that you really understand what you're getting into and how to treat everybody else even yourself how to treat yourself like there's so much self-love that's required with this job what would Mm -hmm. you like to see in that like i'm i'm a new stripper coming onto the scene what what would you like to see happen for someone like that well i think i think having like a paid having a house mom be like a paid position that the club pays for to provide that kind of buffer and support etc like in the locker room for one would be so beneficial um because the first club I worked at in Reno, the house mom was really awesome. They brought cooked, hot cooked food for us. And even if it wasn't something that I would eat that night or something, it was so great to have the option. Or if I was really hungry, I could eat like warm noodles or like pasta or whatever they cooked. And they'd have like a giant water jug that you can grab water and they would have like every, just little things that you need. Like tampons whatever hair ties whatever that the club doesn't think about or care to like supply or anything like that and instead of the house mom like having to just work for tips that should be a paid position that the club pays for just like they pay for like a guy in the bathroom to supply all these things for the dudes in the bathroom like they had this they had this guy in the bathroom who would sell like candy mints breath freshener like tissues like everything that they could need in the bathroom and there would and then in the girls bathroom it wouldn't be clean at all like the this guy would clean the the guy's bathroom have it super nice and clean and like well lit and everything and then in the women's bathroom like the management would tell the bartender to clean it like it was very unmatched and so i think that just having like good facilities is like a first first thing so that when we go to work if we don't have thing those things like at home or we have like insecure housing like we have a nice restroom like we have toilets that work like we have um a- a access to like these basal menstrual products like it's just something that like is very basic like that we can take care of ourselves like at least while we're working and um that's like one thing I can think of and obviously getting rid of like house fees and um, those type of barriers that prevent people from even being able to like work that night, having to pay up front, like X, Y, Z amount of money. And that really creates like a very competitive environment Mm -hmm. because you're already at a loss when you get to work and it's like, Oh, I have to make this up. And it just makes it like competitive to begin with. 
So I think those two things could make a huge difference and it wouldn't take a lot, I don't think, from the management to implement that. Do they still, because I haven't worked in a strip club for a very long time where they count dances on the board because I worked in Vegas and they didn't count and I worked in New York and they don't count on the board and then jumbos, there was none of that. So when they're counting dances now to this day, do they do things like point out dancers that have a certain amount of dances and like encourage you to like hustle more than them and so like try and like oh look she's got like 20 dances like you you've got like 18 like just one vip and you'll be in the lead like would they do stuff like that to you i've never experienced that uh but i definitely know that they will count our dances that we do um, on the board like on like a paper mm-hmm. like yeah. just like for their own selves so they can like track our money and, exactly um, well because then they have like to know how much you need to give them for each dance right that's why they're tracking uh one of the clubs they didn't take any of our lap dance money they gotcha. just took money from our vips and then the other one it was just like there wasn't even a dance section you just do it when you meet them in whatever chair they're sitting in Got it. Okay. Gotcha. So, okay. Just to give some audience members context in case they're not strippers and they don't know what we're talking about is that in a lot of these clubs where you go in and you do lap dances in the booths or lap dances in the VIP, they have what they call a floater. And this guy walks around the club and they take turns doing it throughout the night and they mark the dances. So they walk around every song and they just circulate the club and every song they mark down that you're doing a dance and they do that so that they can tabulate how much money you owe them per dance that you did at the end of the night. And the reason I asked that question is because you brought up competitiveness and they used to do that to me and other dancers. They would pit us against each other and they would have like the handful of super hustlers um, that they would just go around to all night and like point out like, and we, and we were we were into it. We played into it, and we would, you know, because also I, I was like twenty three when this is happening. I was had an unformed brain, and I was highly influenced by media and capitalism. Um, <laughs> and so I was into it. And I look back on it now, and I'm like, how fucking sick, sick. Yeah. No, that's that's not that's not conducive to like being in your own pace, and you know. I mean, our job isn't just doing dances. I know some dancers that don't really want to do dances and they really just like doing stage and talking and like hanging out. And so we all have our individual way that we want to perform our job and that should be up to us. And we should be allowed to make our own prices. So if we do five dances and we charge whatever price we want, like it's still equivalent if other people want to do more dances and charge less, like it should be up to us. And that's another thing, like I... And I think that we should be definitely not, I don't want to even say allowed because it's supposed to be something that should be a given to make our own prices for our, our lap dances because it's our own, it's our own thing. Like we're the ones doing it. And um, I think that would also equivalent to like inflation and the fact that like, it's a lot higher rents and we're, you know, it's just like everything's like, we need to be able to charge $30 for a dance minute. Like, 
minimum and plus tip. Yeah, because right now yeah. it's $20 and it's been $20 since I started dancing in 2002. It's now 2020 and the dances are still fucking $20 when rent has gone up, groceries has gone up, food, everything has gone up. But our pay stays the same. So now we're making less by a lot. Um. I don't get Yeah, it. I would I would charge $30 for a dance plus tip and that like that was maybe like 8 months into dancing I was like, you know what? I'm going to start paying like charging more and at first like there was nothing wrong cuz like they didn't even keep track, they didn't collect the money like I liked that club that I worked at, they would just pay me directly. There was no like the club didn't know like what I was charging or whatever even though they would announce it sometimes and then I would just call it like the dancer fee or like this is for my dances that I give or whatever if the customer asked. Yeah. And and then I was at one club and they were saying like, oh, like like one of the other dances, like just don't let them know. Like they they don't like that. Like they might like fire you if they find out. Like you're not supposed to do that. And I think that's definitely unethical to to try and police sex workers and strippers like on their own prices for their labor. Yeah. A lot of what's happening is unethical. Yeah. But also across the board in every, (laughs) every department of the world. Um, So yeah. That's why we need, that's why (laughs) I love joining soldiers of pole because we we just want to get connected with our community and find out what the needs are and work towards meeting those needs. And it's going to take a long time, but everything that's worth it does. Exactly. Um, Before we move on to our other segments, I just wanted to acknowledge and maybe discuss briefly that you are going to school right now, correct? Oh, I actually graduated with my bachelor's degree this past May. Oh, you did? Why did yes. I think you were studying all the time? Because I am. I love going to school. So I, I finished my bachelor's and then I decided to take community college classes on some topics that I feel passionate about. And so I took classes on public health, social justice and women's health. And then I'm in the process of um, becoming like a full certified full spectrum doula. I'm a birth doula right now. So I help people who are pregnant give birth and support them through their pregnancy and doing prenatal massage and things. And then now I'm going to be offering full spectrum doula services, which basically means like any phase of reproductive health. So not just birth, but like really any phase. So it can be like painful menstruation, like pregnancy loss, pregnancy release, um, like after you've had baby, postpartum, preconception, like during birth, really like any phase. And so that's a lot where my passion lies. So I, I definitely study like continuously, even though I just graduated. (laughs) I love it. And, and did you mention already, um, what you got your bachelor's in? Yeah, so I got my bachelor's in um, technically liberal arts, which just means like every topic, basically like history, literature, writing, science. Um, But in my concentration, particularly is in environmental studies and public health. Amazing. So 
It's so interesting that you mentioned as a, as a young person coming into SOP, Soldiers of Pole, and being able to work with, um, you know, people who are a little older and, and like learning from them. But it's just, you know, I feel like I continuously learn so much from you specifically. Yeah, no, totally. And like the younger generation, like your generation is just so mind blowing to me. I used to get so mad when people would talk shit about millennials, which I think that you might be the one generation below millennials or you're on a cusp, but I I'm would, on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm like a year, like one year from being a millennial or yeah. yeah. I used to get so fucking pissed when people would talk shit about millennials because I just think y'all are like geniuses and you are our future and you inherited a huge fucking mess from the rest of us. So sorry about that. <laughs> thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Aw, thank you yeah. for everything you do within SOP as well. And this podcast is incredibly beneficial for our community and for allies and people who are just interested in um, stripping and strip club culture and stuff because there's no other place where we can just talk about it and yeah. we have to create those spaces to be able to have these discussions. Yeah, definitely. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. I would say definitely invest in something that will bring you more purpose and meaning in your life that can be education, that can be saving up for like a house or just putting it into your savings. I think saving money is a huge stripper tip and um, while also like being able to spend money on things that you like and want. But definitely investing and saving. And like for me, it was investing in massage school and education. Um, but that can look different for you. So my stripper tip would be financially to invest and save. <laughs> um, especially like I'm glad that I saved um, most of my money I made in like the year and a half that I danced before the pandemic. Because if I didn't, then I don't know what would have happened. But and then my other like more fun stripper tip is um to stay hydrated while you work so like whether that be like bringing water like bring your own water and coconut water or like hydration drinks and like I loved picking out what snacks I would bring to the club that are like healthy like raspberries are a really great snack like blueberries are really great because it's not gonna be heavy food but it right. doesn't it has sugar and, and it has like light fiber and carbohydrates so bringing like something that feels healthy that you can snack on that's like a treat is really rewarding while you're working so yeah i love it thank you get ready for our rapid fire question round it's time for four for one do you think aliens exist and if so are they watching us Yes. Um, they're not only watching us, they're, I think that some, some extraterrestrial life are actually helping us and supporting us and rooting for us and trying to, um, like we're part of like a network, a galactic family, like working towards the highest possible outcome and good of humanity. And yeah, I think some aliens aren't really interested in getting involved with human affairs 
And then some of them aren't really rooting for us and maybe don't want the best for us. And just right. so it's like a mixture. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much for speaking my language. Thank you. That was awesome. All right. Next question. Who's your favorite celebrity animal? Oh, um, Mm. Yeah. I don't know Benji like <laughs> Benji the dog <laughs> I just remember watching that movie and it's like the first thing I could think of okay. it's fine it's fine what's your favorite Halloween costume from childhood mm. Little Red Riding Hood Oh, cute. <laughs> Mine was a bag of jelly beans. If you're making a PB&J sandwich, do you use a utensil for peanut butter and a separate utensil for jelly, or do you just get nasty and one, use one utensil for both? I don't think I've ever made myself a PB&J sandwich. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, there you have it. That is not what I was expecting at all. I love it. Though. <laughs> Four for one. Thanks for having me. That was fun. <laughs> You're welcome. And is there anything that you would like people to know about maybe what's coming up for you or where to follow you and how to find you, etc.? Definitely. If you are anyone who wants to follow me on OnlyFans that is available um, in the link in my bio on my Instagram. We have to click the link and there's like a lot of different links and you can subscribe there. That's I'm trying to get that rolling and I know it's a very saturated market right now, but I try to be authentic on there and share the things that feel good for me. And I have all my performances that are like recorded if you miss my shows. And then um yeah, you can follow me on IG at Juicy.Josie, on Twitter at JuicyJosie with an extra Y at the end. And I'm working on the V Union project with SOP, so stay tuned for that. I'm really excited about it. And that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. So. Yeah, it was really fun. A good. great way to start the day. Good, good. And thank you to all of you out there for tuning in and listening and commenting and writing us messages. We love hearing from you. Be sure to follow Josie and engage with all of our guests that join us on Yes, the Stripper podcast. Until next week, see y'all later. Bye. Hey, guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a stripper podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a stripper pod. Yes, a stripper podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.